Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterword is the time when we as a people just come together and just uh, relax. We just talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the weekend's message. And for the last six weeks, boy howdy, have there been a lot of things to talk about because we've been going through a book called How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. And uh, for the last six weeks, the topics have been so big, so broad, there's no way that one single Sunday sermon could possibly exhaust everything that's needed to be said. That's a lot of single Sunday sermon. That's fun to say. Just If you want, you can just, just stop the podcast now and just say single Sunday sermon. Just let the alliteration and the, the consonants just have fun. Um, but this week is the final week of our sermon series, and uh, we're going to be talking about something. Uh, here's what we're going to be talking about, and it relates to this meme. There's this meme going around. I don't know if you've seen it. Memes, by definition, are kind of ephemeral. They kind of pop up and then disappear. So I'm going to read the words, and then I'm going to tell you about the picture because I can't show it to you because it's an audio podcast. Uh, we don't have that technology yet. Um, it says, there are almost 5,000 gods being worshipped by humanity, but don't worry, buddy, only yours is right. And that's got like a cartoon picture of uh, Jesus and Buddha and Quetzalcoatl and a couple Hindu gods. I think that's a Pokemon not sure. I think that's Zeus in the background. Not sure if anyone really worships Zeus anymore. Uh, maybe there's a Greek holdout that's got like a mini Parthenon in his house and just still worships Father Zeus. Zeus, but there. Uh, say that five times fast. Zeus, but there. Zeus, Jupiter. There it is. Anyway, um, uh, the idea is that Christianity's claims, Jesus's claims, I am the way and the truth and the life. Those claims to divinity and exclusivity actually rub people in a pluralistic society the wrong way. I actually was going through this and looking at Pew Research Center's religion and public life, uh, um, the San Francisco metro area. Uh, what the, what's the uh, what's the breakdown? And there are more religions represented in the San Francisco Bay Area than any other major metro area in the United States of America, just because we have so many people coming from all sorts of different uh, parts of the world. We also have more people who are unaffiliated or um, say that they are nothing, you know, like they, I have no re religious affiliation whatsoever, uh, more than any other major metro area in the world. So how in the world do we be faithful Christians who follow Jesus, who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and follow me, in a world that's pluralistic? This week, Steve Clifford stopped by to help us unpack this. Steve, uh, as always, a straight shooter. We're going to talk about ways to do this wrong. There's obviously people who've done this really wrong, really bad, ineffective, and they've done some real damage to the witness uh, of Jesus. And there's also, there's wrong ways to do it, but are there right ways to do it? Steve stops by to share best practices. I almost said tips and tricks, but this is not ShamWow. He's not a salesman. Um, he's here to, to share some hard-won wisdom. And as always, it's fantastic. Let's dive in, shall we? All right, hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, The Afterword. I'm here with Steve Clifford. Steve, it's been a hot minute since you've been, uh, been on the show, so I'm, I'm glad to have you. What's, what's exactly is a hot minute? I, I think it's any time you spend a minute in Texas in summer. Oh. I think that's what it is. So we're, we're, we're done. We're done with the series. This is the this, last week. This is the one that wraps it up. And it's gone by really fast. I think part of it's because we just started meeting, you know, and, yeah. but it seems to be going at an accelerated 
great. Right. It, well, and it's interesting because every single week there's been, um, it, there's real tension in each of the questions. Oh, for sure. And this one, this one's a tough one. I, I remember, I wanted to throw this out and, and kind of talk. This was about, this week is about whether or not Christianity in its claims of exclusivity is bigoted. Um, yeah, this, or intolerant. Intolerant, yeah. which is, um, intolerant is a better word than bigoted. Just kind of uh, this idea that, and, and it kind of came up, I remember um, there was a class I was teaching, this is before COVID, and I barely remember it because it, <laughs> it feels like it's been 100 years. Yeah. Um, it was on basics or intro to Christianity, and this woman comes up, and she says, I've been here for a couple of years. I love Westgate, but I don't know if I, I fit. I don't know if I belong. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, I love Jesus. I love coming to the church. I love this community. It's a great, it's great, really fun. Love it. But I work in this office environment. I think she worked in the medical field. And she goes, I work with Hindus. I work with Muslims. I work with folks who are Catholic. I work with people who are atheists. All different yeah. religions. I love them all. Yeah. These are my coworkers. I love these people. And the idea of coming up and telling them that they're wrong um, just seems unbelievably unkind to me. Like, really, yeah. that would put, like, a real distance between us. And so, and you're so, at Westgate, you constantly talk about sharing Jesus. And so I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with that. And I don't know if I fit into that. And I just wonder, like, you must have heard something like that before. How do you typically respond to that? Because in our pluralistic Bay Area, where there are so many different people from so many different backgrounds, I think what she's trying to say, it, there's some valid concerns in that, right? So Yeah, but I, what I would say is, first of all, We've never asked anyone to just go up, go to work and just start telling everybody they're wrong. I mean, right? That's not the that's not the way. I mean, to say it that way is just a misrepresentation sure. of how we would think. We're talk we we talk about engaging in relationship with people, and then as the opportunity arises, or we're invited in to speak to uh, the the issues of deeper relevance of yeah. of meaning and destiny and and eternity. Right. That then we would speak about. See, here's the deal. It, in, it is unkind to go around and tell people they're wrong. Sure. Unless they are. Hmm. At the end of the day, we, as Christians, we have embraced this crazy reality. Mm -hmm. And the crazy reality is, is that the God who created everything actually is involved in our lives and has demonstrated that involvement by allowing his son to come and live on this earth, show us how to live, teach us some great examples and lay out how we ought to treat one another. And then he took on the penalty of sin and death for our benefit and rose from the dead. Now, if he rose from the dead, then what he had to say matters. I mean, it, and he, he implores us to... To not let the grace of God just come into us and stop, but mm -hmm. for us to be able to winsomely um, and kindly and um, in knowledgeably yeah. in relationship with yeah. other people share this hope. You know, think about it this way. If, if you knew I had cancer and you knew the cure, but you don't want to be unkind and speak into something that's a little bit uncomfortable because mm -hmm. you know I'm dying of cancer. Are you kidding? Of course you, mm -hmm. well, I hope you'd tell me. <laughs> um, you know, you'd tell me of that. And so sometimes if, if God actually did 
work through Jesus. And mm-hmm. Jesus, and we believe that he did. And he's asking us to tell people about that in winsome and kind ways. It's unkind to not tell. Right, right. Well, it seems like the first the first thing that you're attacking there is her caricature of what it means to share Jesus, which yeah. is that and, and it's and to be fair, I think she had probably seen some bad models. Oh, we all have. Yeah, and so and so that aggressive, arrogant um, kind of posture, um, which you said, you know, going around telling people they're wrong, that, that pushes people away. Um, so that's probably the first thing that she probably had in her mind that needed to be uh, at least corrected. And, and, and you're speaking against that um, as well. Like the, the Yeah, yeah, there's, there's some, you know, the scripture teaches us that, that there's some principles of respect and honor in, that, that our culture should, we should champion. And of course, Imago Day, we've been talking about that yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, because yeah. of the 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 division in our culture and in our country right now um, but if I actually look at someone irregardless of their religious beliefs mm-hmm. as an image bearer with infinite worth to the to the God I serve mm-hmm. then I will treat them I will treat them in such a way that that honors that God I actually serve I mean, right. even whether they believe in him or not that's what God has told me is true about them and so you know, we're not saying, it by when we say that Jesus is the only way, we're just quoting Jesus, <laughs> okay? So um, if Jesus rose from the dead and he said he's the way, then, then um, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to be able to share. In terms of the actual, sometimes the, me, you know, you heard that expression, the medium is the message. Like the way that we communicate yeah. is as important as what we communicate. Yeah. Do you believe that that's true? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I think that what we have to communicate sometimes will not be communicated because of the medium. But I'm never more important than the gospel. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. Yeah. That the way that, that we talk about Jesus and the means in which we approach people is as important as what we say. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say, I would probably still say no. I think I would say that the... What we have to say is of utmost important. In other words, Paul, Paul, in one of his writings, he said, "You know, some people are preaching out of this motive. Some people are preaching out of that motive, mm-hmm. uh, preaching Jesus." Mm-hmm. And he said, "I don't care as long as Jesus gets preached." Mm-hmm. So, I want Jesus preached in a way that reflects who Jesus is. Right. I, I guess that's what I'm trying that's to say. That's what I right, would hope. right, right. And I think that's always the most effective. Right. Yeah. Because because yeah. the fact is, Jesus is. Um, a winsome, yeah, uh, incredibly attractive, you know, personality. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that were least like Jesus liked Jesus. Yeah, and so um, I, I think the value of how we approach people is super, super yeah. important. Are there any tips or tricks that, after all these years, you've seen this in a? In, in, a, in a city that's like um, both Santa Cruz and the Bay Area here in San Jose, have, are, are a little resistant sometimes to Christianity, sure. have negative stereotypes or caricatures. Are there tips and tricks that you've seen from people? I don't know about tips and tricks, but I would say there's two things for me. Yeah. Um, Advice, I should say. Yeah. The, the, and I have got two. I hope I can remember them both by the time I get to the second one. But the first one is, um, what was it? <laughs> oh, the first one is, is that I would care more about you. Uh, than being right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? 
So that, a genuine interest there would in be the a, other human. A genuine motive of mm-hmm. love and concern for the other person. Yeah. And I think if you've got that and it comes across and it's true. Yeah. And, and it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not faking it. Right, right. Then I think you've got a great chance. Yeah. So in other words, the first thing is is that I have to I have to care more about you as a person yeah. than my own agenda yeah, yeah. of being right or or telling you something that mm-hmm. I think you should hear. I think that we're told to speak the truth in love. And so that means we can't speak the truth until it's in love. Yeah. So, so I think that's a gigantic... I remember when I very first became a pastor mm. and um, I had joined a staff with Chip Ingram yeah. and I was teaching the high school group one week and he came in just to observe my teaching. At the end of the teaching, um, he said, you know, I was brand new at this. Yeah, I had been yeah. a football coach and I was trying to, t- to teach. And he said, you know, you did fine here and fine here. It was a funny story and illustration and stuff. But he said, at the end of, at the end of it, he said, who are you mad at? And I said, what do you mean, who am I mad at? He said, well, you're angry. And I said, no, I'm just, in, I just care. I'm just intense. And he said, okay, okay, okay. But it came across as anger. Uh, you sound pissed off. <laughs> I mean, and, nobody, and I'm, I'm, I, was, I was frightened, you know, wow. because it seemed like you were mad at everybody in the room. And he said, you've got to be able to speak the truth, of course, yeah. but you've yeah. got to be able to speak the truth in love. Second tip uh-huh. or advice uh-huh. I would give yeah. Yeah. is you're not there. You're not there to answer everybody's questions. You're there simply to be witness to what you have seen and heard. Mm-hmm. That's all Jesus is asking you to do. So, so stick to the stuff that you know. And what do you know? You know what your relationship with God has been like. You mm-hmm. share your story. You don't try to go in there and try to be some great apologist that can answer all the deep questions of the philosophers of the world. You just simply go in there and say, I mean, as simple as, I was once lost, Mm -hmm. and this is what lost looked like for me. I was was chasing all of these things to bring meaning, and now in Jesus I'm found, and here's what found looks like for me. One of the things that I, I made a mistake early on in my Christianity is I was so... You get charged up. You know you have to share this stuff. You know that the the you know I read. I remember reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, reading realizing especially in the Old Testament the idea of the proclamation that God is this kind of the proclamation of God that His name will be known throughout the world was such a big theme. It was so that, that yeah. this is a huge deal. So I knew that it was so big, but I would put so much pressure on myself that I would do it without the Holy Spirit. I would do it like in my own for sure with my I would I would try to to. To speak in my own, do you know what I mean? Like I was trying really, really, really hard. It was really ineffective. Yeah. Because I wasn't partnering with God. I wasn't listening. Because I thought I had to do, do, do. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And I turned. It came across as bad. I'm sure it. Came well, the, bad. in Acts one eight, there's a very distinct order of what <laughs> Jesus says right before he ascends to heaven. He says, "You will be my witnesses." Yeah. Well, he says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you." Right. When, when when you receive, you receive power, then, then you'll you be my witnesses. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. there's there's got to be something that's true about you and in you yeah. um, before you speak about it. Do you believe that every single person God is active in their life? 
and, and you're just trying to figure out where and how? Because you've talked a lot about how there's this moment where you feel like people are more interested, like when they have a need, when things fall apart. You said that, you know, they either have a need or they... they need to know or a need, need to, to grow. grow. Yeah. So, like, when, when when life really does start to fall apart, you, you it seems like you're saying that most adults aren't open, but when those two moments come up, all of a sudden something can happen in the life of Yeah, and if, if you'll watch out for need to know and need to grow in the relationships that you have, yes. those are times that you can really capitalize on them if people are open to it. Right, and it's so, it, yeah. need to know... It means that, that it, yeah. it means that life has brought some circumstances on them where their worldview now has them confused. Mm, mm-hmm. And I life need, doesn't make sense. I need to know. I just talked to a gal this morning on the phone. She said, "I'm reading this thing in Hebrews six. It is confusing the heck out of me. I cannot get around it. What in the world does this mean?" Huh. Now she's never called me, but now she needs to know. There's something that's come into her life where it's confusing, and sh- and she's looking for information yeah. and and information. And God speaks. God has something to say, and He might not answer the specific yeah. question, yeah. but He speaks into lives yeah. um, when they're humble like that and don't think they know it all. Yeah. So there's there's a hum- humiliation there that allows an openness to. So yeah. need to know is those kinds of things. Yeah. Need to grow is some event happens in your life. And now the infrastructures around you no longer hold you up. Hmm. And you you are at the end of yourself. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't grow, you will not make it through. Mm. And that's often, sadly, tragedy, suffering, yeah. difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, C.S. Lewis said that those pains, those sufferings, those tragedies are God's megaphone to, to a, rouse a deaf to world. To rouse a deaf world. Because yeah. left to ourselves, if everything's always good, we won't. We won't. Yeah. We just won't think deeply about those. So things. you're saying pay attention in your relationships. Need to, to know, need to yeah. grow. You know, it reminds me, um, this is, in our stories are. are kind of interesting because we both came to Christ like later. Uh-huh. We weren't like, grew, grew, didn't grow up in, in a Christian home. When my grandparents passed away in my, in my, in college, it opened up all sorts of spiritual questions. Mm. And I remember one of the, one of the first introductions to God, I would ride home every holiday, every, you know, spring break and all that. And my freshman and sophomore years with this guy named David Feldman. And David was a devout Jew. And I had never heard anyone speak about God with the certainty and the clarity, he huh. cut through all of it, all uh-huh. of it. Yeah. And I, I, I was in awe. It was like he knew what God was actually like. And everyone else was just guessing. <laughs> everyone else was like, Pumbaa, I think it's like big balls of gas burning billions and billions. I mean, everyone was just making stuff up. Yeah. And David was like, no, this is what God's like. And I remember, um, it, I, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough of talking to him about about this because he was you know he was devoted to the scripture yeah and he was probably doing it inside the relationship and you were inviting him totally to it he wasn't shoving it down no, your no. throat it's him telling you how I was, wrong I was you insatiable were. in my thirst yeah, yeah so that's it um okay so the other the other part of this is when this woman said this question um she had a caricature of the bad um uh, pre- presentations but there was also a truth to it which is if I get into these deep conversations if I really go there, mm-hmm. eventually we're going to get to baseline, which is bedrock, which is what you actually believe for sure about reality. Yeah, and there's going to come a time when there's going to I'm I'm going to be in a situation where I'm going to say what you believe about ultimate reality I don't believe. So there's that tension, and that's that's real. 
That's, that's, that's a real thing. Jesus was constantly challenging the ultimate definitions yeah. of reality of people. Yeah. Um, and, and the God of the Old Testament was doing this, of course, all the way through the Old Testament. Um, why, why is that uncomfortable? Um, why, why does that feel weird? Or, or, and and how, do you, how do we manage that? Because that's real. I mean, I feel like that what she's saying is actual. That, that that's going to have to happen. If you get to that place, if you've got that relationship, you're going to challenge um, these baseline understandings of reality. Yeah, I think you're going to do that. But um, you, it, it, it goes back to, again, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? And if he did, then he's the way. Hmm. And here's the other part, is that... Um, just entering into discussions about what people believe, it doesn't take very long at all to realize they can't both be true. Mm -hmm. um, a system of cycles where you get to continue to try over and over like and Hinduism, over again, yeah. like reincarnation sure. in Hinduism and some forms of right, Buddhism, right, right, right. that system, um, which actually leads to nothingness, right, cannot be true and Jesus be true too. That, in other words, the position that all roads lead to God, you know, that you find your truth, I'll find mine, and we'll meet at the top, um, is a wonderful, beautiful idea that's nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. Um, the truth is, is it's way more possible that none of the religions are true. That makes more sense then all the religions are true. Mm -hmm. They're just too diametrically opposed. And, it, and you don't have to know all about Hinduism or Islam right. or, or Buddhism or atheism. Mm -hmm. you, just the basic tenets mm -hmm. of what they're trying to lead us to, you, you see in a heartbeat that they are, they are not just different, but diametrically opposed to how you get to God. Mm -hmm. And so, now, it's not my job to change anybody's mind, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't want to not speak um, for fear that they might laugh at me, or, yeah. you know, yeah. I want to do it in a way, I'm obvious, I don't, I don't jump in the middle of these kind of conversations yeah. just on a cold yeah. call kind of a thing, usually. Yeah. But if I'm invited into it and they actually want to know what I think, to not tell them what yeah, I think yeah. is dishonest. It's almost like lying. It's, it's uncaring. Like, yeah, yeah. Remember, and that's the first thing about it, is that when I enter into a conversation with you, I've got to determine in my heart that you're more important mm -hmm. um, than my agenda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then how could I hide that from you? It's actually unloving to hide it from you. It's fascinating too. There's also that sense, um, as you were as you were talking, I was thinking, like this is um, when people have deep convictions, and you share your deepest convictions honestly, mm -hmm. um, and you're in that place where you're. You also said invited in. I really think that there's something critical about that. Like there's that moment where Jesus in Revelation says, "I stand at the door and knock." Like he does not barge in. Like right, there, there's right. a sense in which even in the Gospels, he's looking and peering and wondering and asking, and um, it, it's it's interesting. There's there's a posture there. There's a beautiful rendition of that verse of Revelation three, uh -huh. and 
Jesus is on the outside of the door knocking, and there's no doorknob on his side. Huh. Like a painting? Yeah. Huh. In other words, it we has to, to be opened up open. from our side. Yeah. But he... He is not longing. Oh, he's not longing to come in to come in, you <laughs> right. know, and and have dinner with us and be our friends and that, sure. the whole the close community thing. But we, it's you know, it's yeah. something that we need to. So the first is that posture of, of of knocking, but then the second thing, which I love what you said, is um, I, I've also the the older I get and the more mature ish I get, <laughs> um, the more I realize that people actually, if if I share deeply about what I believe, they appreciate that. Yeah. As long as I don't dismiss them as humans. Like say, here's what I actually believe. And that they're like, oh. And then my father-in-law, for example, will say, I, I don't know any Christians that I like except you and my daughter. <laughs> like we're the only, it's almost like evangelism can happen um, or, you know, talking about Jesus can happen if you're, you can be the non-weird Christian that people know. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. 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 I mean, can, ideally. And so there's a sense in which if you're not honest about what you actually believe, um, that people appreciate that. They say, oh, I, now I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I don't think you've got to overcome some weirdness. that you, Really, the caricature that you have to overcome is what the media portrays. Oh, sure. And so if you're not angry, if yeah. you're not judgmental, if yeah. you're not screaming at people that they're going to hell, sure. if you're just thoughtful yeah. and, and, and slow kind. to speak... Yeah. And slow to become angry. You mean like quick you, to you, listen. you exhibit the scriptural <laughs> yeah. mandates of Jesus? You just do some of the basic tenets of polite interaction. <laughs> you're going to blow the caricatures yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially like what you said earlier, you actually care about them. If you're in their life and you're an actual Absolutely. friend, then yeah. that, that can go there. Yeah. Um, okay, so what else, as you were coming out of this chapter, um, what, what else kind of hit you? that um, was resonant with you that was at this time, at this point in history um, where we are, um, when you, when you talked to, when you, when you went through this chapter? Well, I, I think what, honestly, what happened um, is that I was convicted of my own hesitation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, I'm paid to be good. I've been a pastor now for a long time. Yeah. And um, lots of people look to me and I'm sure that when you listen to me preach, I seem so so self-assured and so uh, so certain of what to say yeah. that um, you would think I never struggle with telling someone, mm -hmm. man, I, you know, I don't think a I don't think a worldview without a God in the center of it is is understandable for me. Now it's hard for me to say those things, mm -hmm. and. Um, I'm invited into those conversations all the time just simply mm -hmm. because of what I do for a living, but there, it's still hard for me. Yeah. And so I was, I, was, I was convicted of my own slowness to speak sometimes yeah. Yeah. And, and, and re encouraged um, about the announcement that I am to share. And this is the announcement God has come into the world, and He has come into the world in the person of Jesus. Hmm. And he has made a way for us to have a relationship with him where we can live with his, his hope and his, his provision for us and um, in this life and then in the next be promised eternal life. Wow. I, I, and I, I'm just responsible. I don't need to know really a whole lot more than that. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I want to know so I can, because right. that's loving to be able to understand sure. where people are coming from. Sure. But again, it's, it's like, Make sure I care about the individual. 
and then tell my story yeah. of what Jesus has done for me and proclaim that good news. And, and it was a good reminder for me yeah. once again. Just a challenge. Really. Just a challenge yeah. to say, come on. I can do better. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at it. I like talking to people, and I like people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I like the bantering and the going back and forth and talking through things. And so I, I should arrange my life in such a way where more and greater opportunities come. Okay. This is this last question. Um, it's it's kind of a doozy, and I, I thought, man, should I get into this? And then I realized you're not afraid of any question. So I'm gonna I ask might you, be, but well, no, I'll act like I'm not. No, so, so you had the phrase the other day in your your office. You were just you were just talking about it, um, and I, I want to throw out a, a question, um, and it's in the form of a story. So when I first came out to California, I had a mentor teacher when I was a, a student teacher because I uh-huh. moved out here to be a high school English teacher and I had summer school and all my teaching training. So a lot of our stories yeah. Are together. Yeah. yeah, right. So right. So I'm sitting there, and my 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 mentor teacher. She she'd been in the school 10, 12 years, and. Um, I walked in her classroom, and I have never seen more anti-religious propaganda in a classroom in my life. It was like super hard quotes from all these people about how destructive religion is, how bad religion is. I noticed all of a sudden all the books that we were reading, all the short stories, had a, mm. a strong anti-religious kind of um, scheme to them. Yeah. And so then, after, and, but I'm new, so I'm just like, we're, we're going through this. About three weeks into this, summer school's halfway through or so. And she's like, all right, we're halfway through midterms. And she takes the me and my two coworkers, who were all, all three of her mentor students, she takes us out to this place called a Keys, which I'd never been to. And, and she proceeds to get a swirl, which I didn't know what that was. And then she got another swirl. So she's two swirls in. She's <laughs> loosened up. And she turns to me. And we're at this table. She's there with her fiance. We're all there talking. And for the first time, we're interacting as people. And she says, so I hear you're a thumper. And I'm like, I don't even know what this term means. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you're a Bible thumper. You're a, Jesus. You're, you're a religious person. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. And she goes, let me tell you why I don't like religion. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of seems that you don't. She's like, yeah, let me tell you why. She proceeds to tell me the story. She's five years old. Her mom was a devout Catholic, and her dad was an alcoholic. And when he got drunk, he was mean. And he started hitting his mom, her mom. And so... In the middle of the night, her grandmother and her grandfather came and got her, and they escaped to a town to the north, Mm -hmm. and that was it. And so she's there that Sunday, the next Sunday, in a Catholic church, because her mom was a devout Catholic. And what do you do when you're a devout Catholic? You go to Mass. You go to Mass. She's there. She's got the sunglasses on covering the bruises Mm. from the abuse she had just experienced. And um, it comes time for Communion. And you know, they say, come forward, and her mom just sits there in the back, in the back of the pew. Yeah. And this little Liz, six, five, six, seven years old, says, Mommy, go get communion. That's what you do, right? And she goes, sweetie, I can't. I can't because your dad and I are divorced now. I can't take communion. And she's like, well, don't they understand? Don't they understand that Daddy was hitting you, that it's better that Papa and Mama are now with us, and that we're safe now? And, and she said, in that moment, in that moment, I made a decision that religion was nonsense, that Christianity was nonsense. I realized in that moment when she was rejecting was not what you and I would call Jesus or or Christianity. And I'm not trying to bag on the Catholic Church. I'm not trying to bag on any of that. That's not what this is about. No, it could have been any church. It could have been any church. There's a number of Protestant churches. So this is not an anti-Catholic sentiment. But one of the things you said is that if somebody has heard about Christ, and then there was this little twist you said, not a fake Christ, not a not a false, 
not a false caricature. What did you mean? Because it seems to me that Liz had been presented a false religion, a false Jesus. Mm. And she had rejected that. And to be fair, so would I. Like, so what do you mean by that? that? The idea that there's only one way to Jesus, but then there's the sense that so many people hear a caricature or a bad idea about Jesus or, or, or falseness. Uh, what are your thoughts on So here are my thoughts about that story, and maybe it'll help answer the question. And um, first, it's a tragic story. I'm emotionally really just, I come from a, a mom who was beat. And um, my mom left my dad and raised five children without any father at all. So there, this is not just a, a flippant yeah. response to this, because it's going to sound flippant in just a minute when I respond to it. So in other words, here's, here's what I would say. If I think that that was actually an appropriate response for a seven-year-old, but are you going to let a seven-year-old establish your worldview for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Are you going to care? You going to take something as important as important as the source of eternity mm-hmm. and dismiss all religions because of an experience and a decision you make as a seven-year-old? So my my response to her would be, "Man, I feel your pain. I was that seven-year-old too." Mm-hmm. But but I didn't shut my head down and make a decision that, that basically involves, there's over seven and a half billion people on the planet. Well, six and a half billion people on the planet embrace religion of some kind. Right. And you're going to let a seven-year-old make the decision that's going to determine that? I, I, so, so I would just say, at some point, investigate the real Jesus. And by that I mean the Gospels. Go to the Gospels and look at the real Jesus. Not a caricature of Jesus, not something you saw when you were a child that you didn't understand, um, even though it was incredibly emotionally for you and life-changing. Not something that some angry dude on the TV says is Jesus. I mean Jesus. Read him. Mm. Read this guy that the religious people, the, the people that seem to be the most close to God, they are the ones that Jesus spoke the most harshly to. Mm-hmm. And the people that seem so far away from God, he embraces and speaks to with kindness. I just, so I might, I would just check Jesus out. I mean, you know, it's a heartbreaking story about the, that, that gal's family. But really, honestly, imagine if you would say, as a seven-year-old, when you were taken to a dentist and the dentist hurt you by poking around on your gums and you decide at that time, I'm never going back. Now, are you going to let that decision of yeah. a good parent wouldn't let that decision sit? Yeah. It, it feels to me, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. It feels but, to me like what had to happen is two things. Because one of the things that was interesting is she had to heal from that trauma. Right, you have, yeah. to, you have to deal with that, and then she had to be she had to be affirmed that that trauma was real and bad, and that that wasn't Jesus. That's not that's, that's not exactly it. And and so and she had never heard that. And so I'm like, Liz, I'm heartbroken. I, I share and I kind of shared a little bit about why I believe. And she said to me, she as you know, two swirls in, and I think that this that mattered, you know, because <laughs> I don't I don't know if she would have had her defenses down that yeah, much. Sure. And she said, she goes, you know, I don't go to church. 
But if I were to ever go to church, I think I might want to go to a church that talked about God the way you just did. And I'm like, there are so many. <laughs> there are so many. And so that was the opening to an invitation um, to, to, to begin that dialogue. And she softened considerably after you address the real trauma and then say, no, 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 and then affirm the real Jesus. But I feel like there's so many caricatures around, and oh, people man. have real wounds and real arrows in their in their hearts um, sure. because of that. And that's that that's just a thing. You that I don't know if it doesn't bother you, but you're like, there's nothing we can do about that. We have how do you approach that reality? Because sometimes it's overwhelming for me and discouraging that there's so many arrows. Out there. I determined long ago I would just not waste a whole lot of energy defending defending the church who has prostituted herself hmm. to the world systems or people who claim to be Christians and say they're on my team but act nothing like Jesus. So, I disavow. Okay. So, I just disavow and say that's not the Jesus I serve. Huh. That's why the word Christian is really... It's really lost a lot of its power. Yeah. And when I talk about myself, it, 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 it's really more accurate to say I'm a Christ follower. Yeah. Because Christian has all kinds of political yeah. undertones yeah, sure. and cultural weird. undertones that make it weird. Mm. Uh, that's so. I just kind of disavow myself. I it there. You, is the, you, the church. You, yeah. The church you spend is, no energy defending. It. I try not to yeah, because yeah. there's there's clearly no excuse for a church that sure. acts that way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's clearly no excuse for a for a Christian who would act self righteous when they are saved by grace alone. <laughs> if grace doesn't drive you to humility, you misunderstand grace, right? So to yeah. get self righteous over this when you know there's no righteousness in you, I mean that just seems self contradictory to me. So I, I just I know people get that way, and I'm sorry that they do. And, and I will I will talk with them if I get the chance to to rebuke them, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time. If someone comes to me and, and they have a lot, they've come and said, this is why I'm not a Christian or this is why I'm not interested in Christ. Yeah. I just simply say, I have no excuses. They were wrong. I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let now me let's, try to, let's, can let's, I try to show you the real, way. the yeah. real Christ? That's fantastic. Almost like that bad dentist. I'm sorry they did that procedure but that you never should have done. But your let, teeth still need yeah, to be cleaned. Let, let me help you. Let me help you. Let <laughs> if me help you, you want to keep them. I, I can show you a different way. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, uh, again, thanks for taking time. Yeah. Thanks for this uh, sermon series. This has been, I, I think, really challenging and interesting. Um, and, and has really, I think, really pushed people to the scriptures, pushed people to learn, pushed people to, um, to, to really think about this stuff. So... I, I'm really excited. About well, I, I, I've enjoyed it a lot, too. It's really nice. challenged me. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, and yeah. we'll, we'll see you next week. Uh-huh. Just want to thank Steve Clifford again for stopping by. Join us next week where we start a brand new sermon series called Idols and Songs, The Art of Remembering God's Faithfulness. All through the Old Testament, God has his people purposely do this thing where they are called to remember things that God has done. This somehow, some way, helps grow our faith. As we remember in the past, it actually helps us move forward into the future with confidence as we remember who God is and what he has done. Join us for that starting next week. We'll see you then.